Lapidus, Lapidus. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to We're Podding This Together. This is the podcast where we guide you through all those lunarious Disney Channel original movies that you love or love to hate. Totally stellar. I am Josh. I'm Lori. I'm Sammy. And this week we're watching, you might have guessed it already, the Disney Channel original movie Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. This is a 1999 decom. I had not seen this before, and it was very good. You hadn't seen it before? No, I thought I had. How have you not seen this? I didn't have Disney until I was older. This was amazing. It was. I, I scoured the internet to find this. <laughs> um, what it reminded me of, I don't know if you guys have watched um, any Star Trek The Next Generation. But it was kind of like Xenon was Wesley Crusher if she had got if he had gotten like a spinoff show where it was just a bunch of like the adults being like, oh, no, there's this huge issue. And then Xenon or Wesley trying to fix it. And then everybody else being like, no, kid, you don't know how to fix it. And then they fix it. And then everybody gets mad at them, kind of. Yes. And with a very much more relaxed atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I this movie influenced me a lot. Like. I remember wishing that I had a, like a little communicator device that I could call all my friends on on video and like here we're doing that now it's kind of crazy. It doesn't feel as cool but it's almost <laughs> no like we're offense. in the 21st century. Oh my gosh. But I totally in second grade there we had a costume day and I had my mom <laughs> had my mom make a space silver like costume based on xenon. Not the girl, just, like, if I had lived in the space station. So, I loved this movie. I was thinking the same. It's kind of like a future Cindy Lauper look she has going, which I really appreciate. I love it. It's kind of like the last taste of the 90s before it transitioned into the 2000s. Even though I think most of the clothes would be something that you could almost see people wear today. Like, they're way into the leggings as pants, which... Leggings. Yeah, yeah we know where The only from. difference is the, the colors were a little um, vibrant, which I loved, but mm -hmm. probably would stand out. Um, I did notice, though, in the credits at the beginning that I think the font they used were, was Comic Sans. Which, I mean, it was 1999, but that was pretty funny to me that it was a pure time before everybody universally started hating it or admitted that they hated it. I, that like was a little awkward for me too. I first saw that and I thought this isn't super like futuristic, but at the same time, I think if they had done like, just like bold, uh, shiny metal lettering, it wouldn't feel very natural. Yeah. And, like, this was just a fun girl movie on a space station. <laughs> Not so serious. So Comic Sans works fine for that. Well, maybe in 2045 it comes back around where people either love it again or ironically love it. Oh, of course. It's going to happen. So this movie was set in 2049, which is, oh, what, 32 years from now? So it would have been, like, 50 years when it happened then. They were looking 50 yeah, years into the about, future. Yeah. I feel like it had like some weird, where like the space station felt very 
not realistically futuristic, but definitely a, a future imagined by somebody in the 90s. Uh, but then they came to Earth, and it was like, today. There yeah. Was yeah. Nothing new except for a self-driving car, which nobody else seemed to, like, just the one kid had a dad who had a self-driving car. It wasn't, like, widespread. <laughs> which he, like, programmed, <laughs> his dad programmed it himself, like, are, are you sure you want to drive that around? So Arthur yeah, Weasley it, of the future. <laughs> and just, they were Volkswagens too. Like <laughs> everybody had a Volkswagen. This would have been when they first came out, though, and those cars were definitely. I remember I had a Barbie car that was a Volkswagen. Like they were big. I definitely thought they were the cars of the future at the time. I don't know if it's when they <clears> first like... came out, though. They were. They've been around a long time. Well, when the like reboot came back, yeah. The reboot. <laughs> yeah. Volkswagen 2 electric. Reboot. <laughs> um, I saw that this was based on a book as well. I want to read that which I now. Was... I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know it was based on a book. I didn't either. It might have just been like a fun kid's book. I also saw that it was actually originally they were planning on making this a TV series, which I think I could really like it felt like kind of a pilot, like a long pilot to a show. Yeah, there could have been more adventures. So anyway, should we get into the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably. (laughs) It starts with, like, a shot of the spaceship and, like, Xenon's going to be late to class or something. And I think this is mostly just an excuse to show her rushing to class so she can see the entire spaceship. I think they did a pretty good job. Like, what other DCOMs we've watched so far have lacked have been, like... A very rich environment, like a well-done entire that's not just any town USA. So it was really cool to see a very, very fleshed out spaceship. Yeah, there was a lot of action action happening. And she's like riding on carts through hallways and looking out into space and meeting everyone on the ship. It's really fun. It felt like it was definitely like an exposition heavy opening, but it didn't feel unnatural. Um, smooth way to introduce the viewer to this new world. And to the character. She runs past and all these people are like, gosh, Xenon again? Like, (laughs) she's the troublemaker on the ship, you can kind of tell. It almost seems like she's the little sister of the entire ship. Sure. Could you imagine being stuck on this ship, like, in very confined spaces, and there's just these annoying kids running around everywhere, like, <laughs> causing problems. Yeah, presumably everybody on that ship is, like, a genius scientist contributing a lot of very important things to the space station, and then there's just, like, a whole group of annoying little knee-biter children just... <laughs> Who are Even sorting through the, the trash. Preteens. Preteens just Pre-teens. causing so much trouble. Xenon was kind of a little brat. But to start out, we see her just going to a normal day of class. I like how the first thing she did when she got to class was sat at the computer and pulled up a fan site for whatever for what was the band's name, Microbe. Um, because Microbe. that was just very accurate. Like any times we had computers oh in gosh. school, it was just immediate. I think I'm in middle school for me. It was Simple Plan, where it was like, okay, time to look at all the <clears throat> like gifs, and so that was very oh, realistic. For me, it was Beyonce, and let me tell you, that was back when they had autoplay on all of the websites ever, so Beyonce just blasted out of my little iMac 
back in seventh grade? I was probably reading fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> like a loser. Thanks. So Danny. the teacher obviously catches her because they always do. Yeah, she got so excited because they announced their in space dance with me tour thing. So what I was wondering, are they was it ever established that they were the only space colony? Are we led to believe that they are? They didn't say anything about that. So at like, first I was wondering as well, like maybe there's multiple stations or <clears throat> colonies or, but I think this is just like a space station orbiting earth. Yeah. And like there's just one. International space station sort of deal. Yeah. Well, that makes me just wonder though, because when they announced the contest, it was obvious that it was her against her friend and maybe the two other 13 year old <laughs> girls who would have participated. So. Yeah. Which makes it a little bit more uh reasonable that she'd be like as if i wouldn't win yeah she's like i know my competition (laughs) and i'm the only one making a sculpture from trash so good luck i love how resourceful they were with their clothes and crafting and everything yeah i thought it was very accurate too like you have a limited supply of objects when you're up in space uh, so while they're in the dining hall, the commander Plank starts giving this whole speech about how the dudes who own the place, what were their names? Um, yeah, Mr. Wyndham, uh, are threatening to shut down, basically, that they need more money to keep going, keep all their stuff going. And they announced that Mr. Wyndham is actually going to take a tour of the ship and that they need to prove that they're worth keeping in space. Ah. Uh. Does this remind you of any retail job ever? Yeah, corporate coming in, essentially. <laughs> yeah, okay, the, the regional managers coming in. You have to, like, play by the rules. You have to, like, clean the tables. Okay? I know you usually don't do any work around here, but, you know, this time you're going to have to do some work. Pull your own weight so we can keep our store running. Um, oh no, goodness. I don't have any experience with this. <laughs> yeah. I think this just turned into, like, a retail <laughs> therapy session. <laughs> I know that Josh has been training to be middle management. Mr. Wyndham is a pretty good name, too. That's exactly who. Like, you hear the name, you're like, yeah. It's any any name that sounds like a hotel chain makes a good manager last name. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time we start to see kind of the tension between Z- Z- the Xenon and her parents. Where they're like, okay, you really need to just not be yourself for a second. Just calm down. Try not to do anything. So the first thing that Xenon does after she has the discussion with her parents about how she needs to stay in line is decide that she needs to go see the solar flares and she needs to go on an unmanned spacewalk at four in the morning to do so. The balls that she had to straight up defy her parents, like, at this time, I don't know, it made me so angry because she knows what this means to her parents. They specifically told her, like, look, it's just for, like, two days while Mr. Wyndham is here, just don't get in trouble. And she's just like, you yeah. know what? I don't I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care about the space station. All I care about is me. Yeah, all of her friends are like, you have a perfectly good view here. Like, you can just look out the window. We're, like, already pretty close to just being in space. But she has to go out there. <clears throat> I really hated how her dad was kind of encouraging to her, too. And, like, wait until I tell your mother, that sort of thing, where as soon as the mom turned around with her stress helmet, he was like, well, what did it actually look like? What did the colors look like? Instead of actually yeah. sticking to... Because the logistics of it, it's extremely dangerous. If she was hit by, like, 
a small piece of shrapnel or debris, like space debris, she would have been dead. Well, and if anything <laughs> like, went wrong, nobody was awake. It was 4 a.m. They would have had to run, wake somebody up. She, she'd be long gone by the time an adult could come help them. Yeah, so her dad just happens to be in that area looking for her, I guess. Yeah, it was weird to me with how futuristic it was that they didn't have some sort of like wristband or something where when you walked into a room it kept track of everybody, especially when there's so much sensitive data that could kill everybody if somebody got in the wrong place. Exactly, like a space station would have to be so secure and it a kids would not be able to just walk out. <laughs> yeah. Xenon just really, really angered me. <laughs> that kids. Scene. Children. Now, this is where we see their entries into the space boy band contest. I think her name was Nebula, the one that Raven played, wrote a story about how cool it would be to dance with the guy because that's a winning approach. And Xenon made this full-fledged, hyper-realistic sculpture. Yeah, I, I like that Xenon was like, oh my god, your writing is so great. That's Writing an essay isn't dumb at all. But you could tell. like, She's like, I've got this. I've got this in the <laughs> yeah. So, of course... Xenon being the troublemaker, her parents have to give the tour to this Wyndham guy, the super important guy. She ends up meeting them. She gives a very convincing speech about how enriching everything on the space station is and how she is obviously just pinnacle of greatness. I think almost immediately she realizes, not realizes, she just has a feeling that he's kind of a, a, a not so savory character. I think this is the first time we see him wink at her, which is never... Oh. Much like in Halloween Town, we learned that you shouldn't trust anybody who pulls a lollipop out from behind their ear. You probably shouldn't trust a grown-ass man who winks at a 13-year-old constantly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first time she, like, she got that suspicious look on her face was when Mr. Wyndham called the band, like, Microscope instead of Microscope. Microbe. Oh. What's their real name? Microbe, yeah. Yeah, Microbe. He's like, I'm a huge fan I'll of Microscope. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, wait a minute, you're not a real fan. <laughs> and so that's like the thing that she bases all of her suspicions on. Yeah. Uh, then she goes dumpster diving to get, she was getting clothes for when they won the competition. So they could dress up all fancy. And after she gets out of the garbage chute is when she sees Mr. Lutz trying to get into the super high security room. Yeah, the restricted area. Mr. Lutz really reminded me of, um, what's his name from Willy Wonka? Um, Oh, the spy guy who... Yeah, yeah. Slugworth! Yes! Ooh. She ends up going to class the next day we find out that she tracked him. And so she she falls asleep and she doesn't... It's not... Most times when kids fall asleep in class, I remember them just putting their heads down and just drooling all over. And instead, she just just topples over like she actually fainted or something, which was hilarious. I mean, have you ever nodded off during class? Yeah. I never did it, I guess, like, in elementary or middle school. I guess I did it more in college, (laughs) (laughs) which makes sense. But there are definitely times I nodded off, like, as much as she did, where your head's like... Well, where and you kind of like fall in your seat before waking up. I mean, I've not as that. dramatically. <laughs> I've done that at work a lot. Not my current job. 
<laughs> Charlie, if you're listening, this wasn't me. Like, not current job. <laughs> um, so all the troubles that Xenon had gone through doesn't really matter because she ends up being the chosen one to dance with Protozoa. Shockingly, she won. Oh, of course. Yeah. It was a one in four chance. Uh, this is also when her other friend Zeke, whose dad is super in the security level of the ship, I guess. He gives her the code book, so she now has the code to the room that Lutz was trying to get in before, because this ship has atrocious security. Ah, the memory bank. She lives in the year 2049, and she had to write that code down on her hand. I know. Oh my gosh. It was an, an important plot point. Okay, they could not change that. So when she actually gets in the room and sees Lutz putting in the disc, I'm 99% sure they just use a battery. Like, that's... they. Those this would have exactly been, what they look like. It would have been before MP3s and stuff. So for them, it was a matter of... There were cassettes, and then there were CDs that were more compact discs. So then they just envisioned discs getting more and more compact. <laughs> we don't really know what he's doing. Uh, he just inserts this disc, types a few... He drops it. Yeah, he goes to put it in his pocket and it falls out and he doesn't notice like a Lutz. I was like, clearly, I feel like I would, especially if it's something this important, I would like double check that it made it into the pocket. Xenon gets caught, obviously, and her parents are not stoked that she was sneaking around in super, super restricted areas, though they weren't concerned enough about her. They weren't concerned enough about her breaking the rules to actually keep an eye on her. It's like, he's there for, like, two days. Just watch your child for two days. Xenon gets the boot. They tell her they are grounding her. Literally. I thought Xenon's parents' idea to send her back to Earth was actually really well thought out. She's obviously been acting out and kind of having some problems with obedience so why not send her to Earth with her aunt for a while, you know, while they're working on this huge project? And they obviously can't keep an eye on her. I like how usually in movies when they get sent off to live with the aunt, the aunt is usually this evil, really strict lady. Instead, we get Aunt Kling, who is just the most precious, nicest I woman. I love her. Even when I was little, I was like, oh, that's who I want to be. <laughs> I love how the first real conversation they have, too, Xenon's just like, why aren't you married? Like, why are you a spinster? And she's like, I just can't speak out enough, you know? So we get a bunch of scenes. At one point earlier in the movie, they were kind of gossiping about Earth. And the first thing she does when she gets to Earth is sneeze. Because one of her friends had previously said, I've never even sneezed. Like, discussing how few germs and stuff there are in space. So she sneezes and then also realizes that gravity is a thing, even though they had some sort of gravity in the ship. So she trips down all of the stairs. Yeah, she goes to school and all the kids are... No, not all of the kids. So there's the boy who ends up being the love interest who just straight from like the beginning just stares at her and oh decides God, that stares. she is. Yeah. And as he's staring at her, his not girlfriend is just trash talking Xenon to no end. He's just staring intently the whole time. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. Yeah, I feel like like it doesn't matter how attractive you are. There's like there's a level where the staring gets too much. So, yeah, all the kids on Earth, they, they're pretty much normal. They're kind of living in the same time that we are, right? Well, they're living in the 90s. In the 90s, that's what I mean. <laughs> I just thought, like, the culture clash between Xenon and these kids was really interesting. Like, 
would there be like different cultures in space than in than like on I, earth i definitely think there would and i was thinking about this too i totally think a different kind of society would develop on space and it would just much like it you know in just two different states in america you'll have totally different cultures i mean remove them from the planet entirely you're gonna have a different culture <laughs> you went full cyborg right there <laughs> Good to know, good to know. The clash between Xenon and all these kids at school kind of comes to uh, her being pushed into the pool. And Greg saves her. Even though she didn't need to be saved, he just didn't give her a chance because she can swim in space, but not on Earth. What was he supposed to do? Like, count to 30. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, she's definitely like, drowning now. Uh, poor Greg. He didn't deserve <laughs> that level of vitriol. She did spend a good couple of days just staring at her, though. Yeah, yeah, a little odd. Did anyone else notice when they got lunch, she got a banana and an orange and, like, grape juice? Yeah. What well, kind she... of lunch was that? <laughs> and, well, she's not used to Earth food. But also she kept looking at them like she'd never seen them before in her life, which she probably hasn't. But I really, really desperately wanted to see her try to eat the orange. It just takes a bite <laughs> out of it. Yeah. Because she's never seen one before. Uh, so, so Greg and Xenon go on a horse ride and bond and stuff. And it's kind of, it's cute. I like that they picked a horse because she wouldn't have been around animals at all. I thought that was a really cute touch. I thought it was really cool to juxtapose, like all of this space and her living in this sterile space station versus being on earth and being kind of in nature and horses and all that. It was just a good contrast. Find out Greg is a horse groomer and that's how he's paying for Xenon's 13 pounds of food, which I can relate. Oh God. So while she was eating it, all I could think was this girl has never had any of this food in her life. She's going to be very friendly with her toilet at the end of this night. All those fried foods. Yeah, yeah, she's she'd never apparently she's a vegetarian. She's never had meat before and then she just oh, stops her face with meat like and probably dairy and all of that. Yeah, she's gonna feel that. <laughs> yeah. I like how her parents sent her there to kind of reform her and this aunt's even less interested in keeping track on her of her, so she just leaves and gets a boyfriend and Yeah, like within days. Yeah, then she gets home and her aunt's like uh, you've been here five days and you've already had more success with boys than I have my whole life. And I just want to be like the poor aunt. Yeah. She's, oh my God. Well, does she, she have no really friends out. aside from Xenon that she can like just let this all out on? <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. That aunt deserves to have somebody take her to get 80 different meals in one night in a horseback ride. While this is all going on, they kind of figure out this whole virus thing and they look up what was on the chip and they or on the little disc that Lutz dropped. And one of her friends magically reverses it with his knowledge. Knowledge. Um, (laughs) And this virus is awesome. It has a really cool graphic. And it'll make sparks fly out of your computer. Everything with hackers or viruses and stuff in the 90s was always very exciting. And it's like what hackers, what people think hackers do what hackers actually do is just somebody typing a bunch of words and numbers into, like, a terminal. Yeah. It had kind of the Jurassic Park little, like, squirmy wormy dude. It was really cute. You know, lets people know, hey, you got a virus. Just let you know. 
So then they're all just hanging out at like Greg's house or something, talking about how they're going to get her back to the space station so that she can save everybody from the virus. And that's when they get they steal the kid's dad's car. She reaches out to her friend uh, Neb on the space station, where apparently things are not going so great. Things are shutting down, and it's kind of shaking, and the electricity is going off and on. I like how at this point, still, like even though she's told her parents that hey, there's this virus and everything's going to start going bad, they hang up. Uh, they wonder how she, how could she have possibly guessed? Oh, it's just Xenon up to her old tricks again, and then they ignore it, even though things are progressively getting worse and worse. So yeah. then they have to leave it up to the children to actually listen to her to save the day. Which, in all fairness, Xenon's been super shady to her parents, like her entire life. It seems like so. It's not like there's not a precedence for her trying to lie to them to get her way. Xenon isn't able to make it on that cargo ship, um, but they don't stop themselves from yelling at it and honking and trying to get it to stop. Like, hi, yeah, space As if it's going stop. to turn around and land again to pick up Xenon, who was planning on stowing away. They kind of get the idea to stow away on Microbe's uh, ship, which is going to be heading up to the space station. This is their last-ditch effort to save the station. Before something bad. And they just roll up. They're like, hey, this is Xenon. She won the contest entry. She wants to talk to Protozoa. And Protozoa's like, sure, yeah, I'll talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to some 13-year-old kid without any identification. And he's like, put her on the plane. I'm put fine. Put her on the plane. <laughs> I mean, they do see that she was the one who made the sculpture. So that ended up saving her. And I think it's kind of like, that's what a a space superstar would do. He would just be like, sure, whatever, get on the plane. Yeah. The same way he tells the security guards that he's like, are you thinking of a career change? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are they going to do for you? So she winds up on the shuttle with Microbe, and they get back to the space station and save the day. Woo! Basically, it wrapped up really quickly. Yeah, it really did. I honestly, I'm trying to remember how she saves it. She just lands and she's like, wait, stop. And they still don't trust her even after it's like self-destructing in five, four. And she's, they're like, tell us the story. How do you know? And then there's a giant musical number of the yes. microbe song, which I had stuck in my head the whole movie since they've showed it briefly zoom, at the beginning. Zoom. Make my heart go boom, boom, my supernova yeah. girl. So wait, what was Wyndham trying to do this whole time? He was trying know. to blow it up. I feel like maybe he would have gotten insurance money or something from it instead of having to continue to pay to keep it going. Yes, they wanted to get all the insurance money. They must have like just taken this on. Was his plan to make it like just shut down so they all had to leave and he didn't have to put more money into it or did he legitimately want to kill all the people on the station i don't think he wanted to kill them i just think that it, it was the thing that was going to ha there was no way for him to get them off the ship and then explode the ship without it being super obvious so to make it seem real like a real accident they had to be there that just seems a little too evil i think that's what he was planning i think he wanted it to blow up and like, if it shut down, they were all going to die. Like, they had limited supply of oxygen, and 
you know, maybe there's like the centrifugal force that it has. They'd come crashing down into Earth or something. It just there the motivation behind it was not well established. And she just kind of saves the day, and it's whatever. Yeah, like. She just saved everybody's lives, and everybody's <laughs> just like, well, thank you, Xenon, and then they put on a concert. I think since it's from Xenon's perspective, her end goal was achieved, so as a 13-year-old yeah. girl, she's like, I beat the bad guy, even if he, she doesn't know what happens to him at the end of it. And even though as a kid I didn't understand, like, insurance scams, <laughs> I still understood, like, he was a bad guy who was trying to shut down the station so well so what would you guys rate this as a decom oh it's right up there with brink i think i might like it even better than brink um and i know i gave brink a nine i feel hesitant to give this one a 10 so i'm gonna go to like nine and a half just because the motivation wasn't clear for wyndham i think i'm actually gonna give it a 10 like i don't I don't see any major changes that could have happened to make it better. I'd give it a solid nine. It has the music. It has space. It has everything you could possibly want out of a Disney Channel original movie. What would we rate it as a movie? It's a fun movie that is not particularly well acted. So I'd say maybe six and a half. I was going to say seven as well. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yep. Thanks for listening to this week of We're Potting This Together. Next week, we're going to be looking at Can of Worms. If you have any questions, comments, or memories of your favorite Disney Channel original movies, you can find us on social media or email us at pottingthistogether at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review.